Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, and I am not dead yet. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. And I'm Jenny. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. And we're talking about death, because mm. our journaling person didn't show up to talk about journaling. <laughs> so we will talk about journaling in the future, but we will be much more researched. Uh, and not invite her. Yes, and not bring on our expert, who it probably had something coming. Yeah, maybe she had some major emergency. Okay. Ted was in hospital or something. Uh, (laughs) Grank. Death. She had death. Uh, Surrogate Grank. Anyway, um, (laughs) recap stuff. So uh, somebody suggested we do a meet and greet, which I was like petrified of. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) What? Socially awkward. That's why I'm doing this. (laughs) Yeah. So this was uh, this was Emily. And I was like uh, that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Uh, partially because I don't know even know how to do a meet and greet uh, online or or in person or any of that. But second, like, who the hell would come? And that's what right. I was. Ta- I'm like, you'd be the only person there, Miss Emily. Right. Do you want to just have lunch? I was like, <laughs> we can you, have lunch. You can just come meet us. I guess I'm the only one who's excited by that. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Yes. Well, uh, I think like Jason, I'm like, nobody wants to meet us. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, I doubt we'll do that. Maybe Jenny will do a meet and greet for us. <laughs> like, you can come meet They probably Jenny. don't want to meet me. They probably want to meet you. I I don't know why they would want to meet us. Uh, so we did get some new topic suggestions. There was uh, myths about NA. Uh, there was keeping yourself safe around newcomers when you're still early-ish and recover yourself. I might have mentioned that. Those are both from Holly. And then Katie Candy said we should explore the big book being brought into the 22nd century. Mm. And I do think we kind of have that one set up already for a future recording date. So listen in seven or eight months from now and (laughs) that'll actually be coming out because we are ridiculous about how we record early. (laughs) We'll be bad far in advance. Super old timer from AA for that. The guy with like 52 years. No, maybe we should have a super old timer and just somebody newer that's oh, read yeah, the book. Oh, yeah, yeah, both. Yeah, yeah so, for sure. I don't know. I doubt we're going to get that super old timer because I don't feel like hearing that bullshit. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I do have somebody who's read the big book multiple times, at least the first 164 pages where all the actual information is, not the story crap like the NA book has to. Um, thank you for continued donations. We really appreciate that. Still passing those on and, and helping people out. Uh, we got a, a beautiful comment on our website. Actually, we got uh, Jenny got one on her blog. I did? Yes. I forgot to tell you about that, Jenny. <laughs> it <laughs> says, Jenny, love the post. Even if your kids were born with a predisposition for alcoholism, your family life doesn't involve partying and getting drunk. That's a little personal about your life. Uh, that right there will save them. So many families can't seem to do any social activities without drinking. That's funny. Billy was just talking about that. Uh, Birthdays and holidays can be fun without beer and wine. Love you and your journey. You're amazing. 
Uh, so that was a really nice comment. Wow. Yeah. Thank don't, you. don't know that I totally agree with that right there. We'll save them. But <laughs> it's a thoughtful comment. And and so if anybody doesn't know, Jenny does a, a monthly blog post. Uh, it's on recoverysortof.com where you can find all of our website uh, podcast information. You can find out where to listen to us. You can see really shitty YouTube transcripts of our episodes <laughs> if you want to try to read through that mess. Uh and and Jenny has her blog on there. And you can go on the Donate to Us tab and, you know, donate whatever you feel we have brought to your life. Uh, and that money, of course, goes and gets passed on to the community. We also got a comment from Ron who said, uh, and this was on my fucking LBGTQ paper that I wrote. Like, it was a research paper I wrote mm -hmm. for school, but I threw it on the website because we talked about it in the <laughs> episode about LGBTQ. So I just threw it up there for shits and giggles, and he said, "I must." He said, "I must say I enjoyed reading this paper. Thank you, Jason. I'm a person in long-term recovery and also part of the LGBTQ plus community. I've been listening to Recovery sort of for a while and found that it has opened my mind and heart a little more, and in turn, that adds quality to my recovery. Thank you all for your service. Oh, that's nice. Oh, man, that yeah. is nice, right? So we got so many nice things. Uh, some YouTube comments. Uh, Misha said." And this was on our Tradition 3 episode. Yesterday, I was asked to share on Tradition 3 at a Step Tradition meeting. I'm grateful I found this video in y'all's channel. Definitely helps in expanding my perspective. Thank you for having these conversations. Mm, nice. Right? Uh, and then we got a comment on the spiritual principle of courage. And Larissa said, and this is for you, Billy. <laughs> uh, fellas, I love this pod and respect your experiences so much, but you have a real opportunity to learn from your guest, Jenny, and miss it by waxing poetic and debating semantics rather than listening to the overall lesson. Oof. Let's hear more from Jenny on spiritual principle. Sorry, that's, Jenny. I'll shut up. That's why we're not having Jenny on the next spiritual <laughs> <Yeah>. principle. <laughs> no, that's not why. She but... makes us sound stupid. <laughs> Uh, and then on our Tradition 1 podcast, which this one fascinates me just because it's on the Tradition 1 episode, uh, Aixa said, I needed this. And I was like, huh, really? On Tradition 1? I can't, I don't picture that being a, I needed this situation, but okay, she needed it. Uh, and that's, that's the recap. So let's talk. God damn, that was long. Let's talk about dying or, or no, Yikes. I don't want to talk about dying. I want to talk about death. Okay. Yeah. Not the actual dying portion. So we say we're scared of death. I think everybody's scared of death. I don't know if we're actually scared of death, like the experience of being dead. I think we're scared of the dying portion of it. Are you that's... really scared of not being here? No. Yeah. That, I agree with you. I'm scared of like pain. Mm. Mm. What if death is painless? Well, then, yeah, there's the second part. This is all my issue, but I, I want to make sure my kids are set up before I go. Like, I, you know, I take care of a lot of shit. Um, I hear that a lot. And so, it's, I just yeah, it's make interesting. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, you're uh, cutting her off again. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny talks. <she's... laughs> <laughs> but, like, my perception of some of that has changed as I got older. Like, you know, obviously, as I'm getting older, when I was young, I'm like, oh, I don't know, I'm going to die someday, but who cares? That's a long time away. And right. now that I'm getting up to 50, I'm like, oh, shit, I'm probably through more than half of my life. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it's hard to think about. Yeah, I am almost positive uh, just going by historically the men in my family and all that great stuff. I'm more than halfway through. Like, I got less yeah. to go than I've already experienced. So I'm pushing for science. It's kind of a scary <laughs> thought. <laughs> My husband says the same thing, though, but aren't, aren't you taking better care of your body and mental health than your male ancestors? 
while I vapor? <laughs> yeah. Probably. Right? I want to bring not. up that but obvious even, point. Better than cigarettes, but yeah. Yeah, but even that, like a hundred is rare. Like most people aren't living to a hundred. That's what I, I say the goal is. I yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of like a joke, but you know, my grandma's 92 and a half. And I'm, I'm like, that's where I'm going. I'm going to make it to a hundred. Well, maybe we take better care of ourselves. I don't know historically how many of my ancestors were shooting heroin or cocaine for some years of their life. Like, I also took worse care of myself in some ways. Hmm. But this is a really, it's an interesting topic to me because the idea that we don't ever talk about death. Like, everybody's born, everybody dies. That's pretty much your guarantees in life. I guess if you wanted to get, like, real technical, well, you're going to breathe, right? You're probably going to eat some stuff. Yeah, but... You're going to be born and you're going to die. And yet we don't look at it or face it or talk about it. And then even uh, and I think this is changing some in our society, but like people get sick and are dying and we still will just ignore it as the elephant in the room within our families. Right. We'll just like act like it's not real. uh, We'll pretend they're not dying. Um and, and it's just interesting, like, why do we avoid it so much? I mean, obviously, I guess, somewhat obviously, it's either depressing or it brings anxiety for us or we don't know how to process this idea that we will no longer exist in this format, at least. I, you know, I guess that all varies depending on your belief system of, of what happens after you die. But why? Why? Why do we not acknowledge something that's definitely coming for all of us? For me personally, I don't mind talking about my death that much. You know, like it's like I've talked to about like what I'd like to have at my funeral and how I'd like to sort of not have like this dreary, depressing funeral and stuff like that. I don't think you get to choose that. I know you do. (laughs) And then it's like the funeral's not for you anyway. It's for the living people. But Like, I've never worried too much about where I go or what happens when I'm dead. I've always been like, no, I'm fucking dead. I don't think I get much of a say at that point, you know. And if I do, I'll figure it out when it happens, (laughs) you know. But it's harder for me to think of other people dying, like my children or my wife. and, And those are harder conversations to have. Like, I don't know how easy it would be to sit down with my kids and be like, so, you know, one day you are gonna die and it might be before me. And that, you know, like just even thinking about that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. is like, it's like, no, I don't even want to think about that. But that's (laughs) the reality of life is that we don't know when our time is coming or, or what is going to happen. And we all, and my wife throws that in my face all the time. She's like, we should be living our life like we could die at any time, which is why we spend all our money taking all these crazy trips and, <laughs> and doing all kinds of stuff because you don't know, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Wow. I came in here so comfortable with the idea that I will not be here one day. And Billy just took this to a brutal place of my kids dying. <laughs> and now I'm not comfortable talking about it anymore. I don't want to talk about death we're anymore. done with this conversation. Yeah, let's talk about life now. Today we're talking about life on Recovery Sort of the podcast. Um, so I, I read a book recently and it was uh, an author and a, he's a therapist, but he writes a lot of books. And I've always enjoyed his writing. His name is uh, Irv Yalom. And he wrote a book with his wife, who was also an author while she was dying and so they alternate chapters of the experience of what it's like as she comes near the end of her life um and it was really fascinating to read and you know i mean there's a whole lot that could be said about the book they you know they don't particularly share any belief of an afterlife and so for them this was it and like 
he's talking about how his memory's not that good and a lot of the life that he remembers is from his wife reminding him of things that happened uh and they were older they were in their 80s but he's like when she passes lots of me pass because i don't remember any of that shit anymore and i was like wow that's a fascinating take on it too right like part of us dies when somebody else dies kind of like you hear you know as long as you're remembered by someone you live on in in some fashion but also part of us leaves with a no wonder grief hurts so much if part of us is leaving right even even if i remember all the things that i've done the person I shared them with, which I, I, part of me is like tied into this thing of like, I don't mind doing things by myself. Will I go see a movie by myself? Sure. Will I go places by myself? Yes. But it almost loses something if I don't get to share the experience with someone, because to me, that's kind of the point of life, I guess, is to share with other people. And so even if all the things that I did with my wife, I don't get to share with her anymore because she's not here. That, that's a big loss. Yeah. And we, I mean, it, that recently hit me. So we took a family vacation. When I say family, it was, you know, my family and then my sister and her boyfriend and son and then my dad. And like a couple of days before the trip, I thought, man, you know, if my mom was here, she would love mm. this. Like, this is the kind of stuff. And it made me sad. I actually cried. You know, it was like she would really, because this would have been the type of thing she always like to do or try to do for us she would try to get all of us together as a family and have trips and do things together and so it would have been even probably more meaningful for her than any of the rest of us and she isn't here to celebrate that Mm -hmm. and then while we were gone was also the anniversary of my nephew's death so i don't know that you i think my sister handles that in a little different way she tries to like go on vacation or do something she really likes around the anniversary of his death because it's such a depressing time and it's so full of grief that she doesn't want it to be like that. You know, she wants to do something different. So she tries to take trips around that time um, because I think that's a little different than thinking of someone's birthday or whatever. It's like this is the actual day that he was killed. So she handles it that way. And that was a little sad to think about. And, like, being there with her, like, I didn't know how to address that or bring it up or if Mm. I should address it or bring it up. So I didn't. You know, it's like you said, almost like the elephant in the room (laughs) thing. And I knew it was the day and, you know, but it didn't, like, come up in conversation. And I was like, well, I don't want to, like, bring her down or depress her. And Mm. which is a dumb comment because, like, we talked about with Caroline when we talked about loss and grief. It's like it's not like she's not going to think about it. Unless I bring it up, you know what I mean? Right. Like she was thinking about it already. Me bringing it up probably, if anything, would have been respectful or given it some dignity versus just being like, this is uncomfortable. I'm not going to say anything. Hmm. Which one of us on this episode is going to cry first today? Not me. Yeah, I probably won't cry. Um, it'll be me. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I've had a lot of death in my life. I've never been overly fearful or scared of death I, I think for a long time i just lived my life like well fuck it i'm gonna die actually i kind of hope that i do die you know that'll be the best thing that could happen to me is if i would just die hmm. um so as i got in recovery that i mean i don't want to say that didn't change much now in my life i feel like i don't think i want to die anytime soon my life's pretty fucking good you know now but i'm 
finally to a point where I feel like it matters if I die or not. I think one of the interesting aspects in the book that came to mind for me was this idea that the lady who was passing away was ready. And that fascinated me to Mm -hmm. some extent because I started questioning. I mean, she was older. She felt, you know, she explained it like, I feel like I've lived a full life. There's nothing left for me to do here. Right. And also interspersed, like she's got some loving children and grandchildren and she enjoys them and she'll miss them. But she was ready. And, And I started thinking, what could make someone ready to not be here? Right. And so she was in a lot of pain. She had a some you know ailments going on and i said well being in a lot of pain could obviously make me think differently about being here right when you're full of pain of course you might be ready to leave uh and then i thought well maybe as you get older and you start losing the ability to do some of the things you enjoy about life maybe if you'd like to take walks and you start having trouble taking walks or you know you can't go bowling or any of the stuff whatever it was that you were into that could make life less worth living. And so that could be, uh, you know, get me closer to the idea of, okay, I'm ready to not exist anymore. But I was curious if that is something that could happen naturally, naturally is a tricky word, without either of those circumstances. Like if I was 95, but still able to do all the things I enjoyed without any limited mobility, and I wasn't in any pain, could I possibly be ready to leave the world if I didn't have those circumstances? Good question. When you're 95, I'll probably be like 100. So let me know what you think. <laughs> I am not making it to 95, but well, I, look at you at your optimism. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think there's a difference between being ready and wanting something. So like I feel like in my life, like I'm at peace. I don't feel like there's any like majorly unresolved things or or majorly like, oh, my God, I wish I would. have. I mean, obviously, there's some things I would like to do before I die. But if something happened and I got stuck in a hospital and was on my deathbed tomorrow, I don't feel like there's things that I feel like are unresolved or left unsaid or left undone. You know, that hmm. would hold me up. But I certainly don't want to die tomorrow. You know, <laughs> like I don't I don't. I'm, so in a way, I would say I'm I'm ready in that I don't have unresolved or or un any heavy burdens in my heart that I feel like oh my gosh I need to do this right now. As an experiment, I want us Jenny to take Billy out and set him up in one of those like old spy movie kill the hero type <laughs> things where he's like hanging from a string or the threads slowly burning by a candle <laughs> over top of a long okay. fall into a pit of sharks or something. Okay. And I want to know if he still feels ready in that moment. <laughs> right, I'm just that curious. Moment. Like, I well, think that would be interesting. Pit of sharks is a little painful, but <laughs> maybe like instant hmm. electro- electrocution or something. And it was a situation you talked about, but we went through it. I watched two different sides of that coin, but both of them were with health issues, so it doesn't make your point. So, like, my wife's father was really sick, and he had diabetes, and they started cutting off limbs. He started with his feet, and then he ended up both his legs cut off up to his knees, and he was in a wheelchair and heart pro. Anyway, he was ready, and he would say that stuff to us all the time, like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. My time's up. I'm just waiting to go, and it like at the time I'm like Nick what are you talking about like you can't think like that like you got to fight it you know what I mean you got to keep living for the moment and then as I got older like now I can see like he was a man like he built that house that we lived in and he had done everything for himself and now he was at a point where you know we'd have to like pick him up and put him in the car and help him with medical issues and he was 
you know, just losing his faculties. And he was like, I don't want to live this way. And he was more comfortable with it. And then my mom was the complete opposite. She was so fearful and scared of death that the anxiety caused her to probably fight harder and live a lot longer, even though she was in a state of dying Mm. where my sister and I were almost like, man, we might need to like euthanasia her like to, cause she was so much suffering, but so scared to let go. So it was, it was painful to watch that, you know, it was really hard to watch my mom and deal with, we thought about like all the science they talk about with giving people LSD and (laughs) helping them with, you know, end of life stuff. And we were like, maybe we should give her some LSD or some weed and like get her high. So she'll relax a little bit (laughs) around this concept of death. If anybody thinks about slipping me some mushrooms when I'm dying. I would just say I'm already dying. So uh, <laughs> right, I'm totally free. down. <laughs> <laughs> I know when my dad was dying, the doctor was very free with the painkillers. Just yeah. like like as many as you want. And they were with my mom, but she wouldn't take them. She's like, I don't like the way they make me feel. Yeah, like, that's the yeah, tricky part. Like you read about the painkillers and not only the person taking them, but the people that surround them, their loved ones. Like it really cuts you off from your ability to connect. Mm-hmm. And it's like that terrifies me i feel like i'd almost rather be in pain to some extent and be able to still be here i just read this thing this is about pets dying but similar is um a vet it was like something on facebook and the vet was saying the last thing your pet wants to see before they go is you please don't leave the room i thought Hmm. you know like you know because then the vet has said that they see dogs going and they're looking for their master they're like wildly looking around where's my master you know like they know they're dying and so the vet was like, whatever, open letter style, like, please don't leave the room. That's what they want. Anyway, I think we can relate that to like human too. You know, we want to be with our loved ones. So have you guys been around dying people? Yes. A little bit. Uh, it's pretty, it's weird. I've been in a couple situations around dying people. One was a car accident. A guy that was in high school, a little older than me. I was 14 or 15 and he was probably 18 and he crashed his car right in front of our house and like it was really bad like really rolled his he was in a truck and rolled it a couple times it was like laying there dying and he died while we were there It was me and then our neighbors and she was the neighbor lady was freaking the fuck out like screaming oh yeah it was (laughs) you know screaming at the top of her lungs call the paramedics blah, blah blah and you know i at the time i'm like a 15 year old kid like what the fuck is going on that was probably my first experience with watching someone die, and he died before the paramedics ever got there. You know, he died, and there wasn't anything anybody could do. We couldn't even get the car open. The lid, you know, the roof was crushed, and the whole thing was. So that was tragic. And then we had another situation with a woman that my wife was sponsoring at the time. She had a rare disorder. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it, and it doesn't matter. And she was in the hospital, and her family called, and they're like, "Would you come?" you know, visit her in the hospital. And we went to the hospital to see her. And as we're in the room, they're like, oh yeah, she's dying like now. And they started singing. She was religious and the whole family was there and they were singing like Christian hymns as she passed. And it was beautiful. Like it was really powerful and really beautiful. Um, But it was like, we just walked in and within like 10 minutes, she 
passed away and it was that was pretty crazy <laughs> like wow. but it was two extremes of like a situation of someone passing that were completely different you know yeah and then we were all there when my mom passed away you know she didn't want to go to a hospital or nothing she was in the house and we were i mean all of us were there my whole family my brother um my kids were all there and we just went in and sat with her and you know she died while we were all there and i thought man that's probably how i want to go you know i don't if i get a choice right <laughs> like, i'd like to be around my family and people that love me and, yeah and with them there at home yeah they, at home yeah my mom seems so scary to me like when my grandfather passed he had you know i was i was young i don't know exactly which cancer it was but he was like all tubed up and you know his eyes he couldn't open his eyes and stuff so we had to like hold his hand and so we knew we were there i'm like i wouldn't want to go in a hospital like given the choice i'd want to be home you know, with family, loved ones, or even just home by myself, like the hospital death is like terrifying. But I'm also the person I chose not to have a hospital birth either. Both my kids were born in a birth center. I just, hospitals are so like fluorescent and beeping and I just, you know, try to avoid those places. Well, and that was a weird thing too now that I, and I've never really thought much about this, but when these people were dying, like, and I don't know what it is, I'm not a fucking doctor at all, but you knew they were dying. Like we knew they were like, when my mom passed, she had been sick for months and months of time and slowly getting worse and worse. But when it got to the end, there was no doctor or anybody there. We just all knew. We're like, oh, this is different. You know what I mean? Like this is she's going to die. And we all kind of went in and sat with her and stuff. And it was the same with the guy in the in the car accident. And I don't know if that's just, he was bleeding. I mean, it was pretty gruesome. Um, But. There was a sense of like, he's going to die. Like, he's not. You don't live through this. (laughs) Like, this is not something that like you're going to be back in school in a couple weeks. Like, it was it was pretty bad. But in all those situations, like you, you could I don't know if that's spirit or what that is that lets you know that this is a passing of something. But you bringing up the dog reminded me I was there with my dog when we had to put the dog to sleep. That was fucking probably one of the hardest death experiences yeah. i had yeah pet pet deaths get me worse than people deaths sometimes i don't know why, why? well and in that one it was hard because in the, all the other situations people were there with me which helped and when our dog passed like my wife and kids didn't want to deal with it so i had to take the dog to the vet by myself sit there with it as the dog was put down and i was there with it was like me and the fucking vet and then nurse technician mm-hmm. and like i felt like i had to carry all that myself and that was hard Harder than being with other people. Like, it felt more responsibility. I don't know what the fuck I was expecting out of this episode, but this is <laughs> not it. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to come in here, be all comfy, make some death jokes. And no, I, I am could use a super death uncomfortable. Joke now. I could use a death joke. Right. What the fuck? I thought I was pretty comfy with death. And I am so anxious about death the way everybody's talking about ah. right now that I'm ready to just go die now just to fucking get. Th- <laughs> right. I can't live with this shit. Wow. No wonder people don't talk about this shit. Yeah, it's heavy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Heavy stuff. You know what I wanted to share, too? So I go to the YMCA during the day, and um, there's a lot of seniors, you know, during the day. and um, They're going to die. <laughs> but they all seem really chill with it. And, I mean, I know this is a small sample because it's YMCA, and these are people who are just, I guess, they're taking care of their bodies. Some of these seniors are there every single day doing some kind of activity. So they're very aware of keeping their bodies active and that they know their minds are slowing down and they joke with each other about 
how their bodies and minds are like failing. They have to have such a good, um, humble self-perception. And when I hear them talk and when somebody does die, they're very like, yeah, you know, like almost like, yeah, we had pizza last Friday, you know, like very like, yeah. And then, you know, Michael left us, you know, they're just very, they know it's coming and it happens and they're just very comfortable with it. So when we were talking earlier about, um, you know, if you weren't in pain and you weren't in anguish, would you still be ready to go? These seniors, to me, give me the impression that, yep, they're ready to go. You know, they're in their 80s. Not many 90s, but they're they're active in their 80s. And they're like, very at peace with, well, you know, my partner's gone now or my friends have left me. And, you know, just hanging out, trying to stay feeling good till it's time to go. And see, I feel like those are extenuating circumstances too. Though. They're right up yeah. there with being in pain. Like if your lifelong partner's not here anymore, the person you shared stuff with, if you're living a life where you're not going to work, you don't have a social life, you're like kind of lonely most of the time, except for that hour you're at the Y. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm just, I'm really trying to figure out what makes people ready. You know, another thing that, that popped up in my mind, a guy was talking to me about how much he dislikes the world now and i thought of that as another version of becoming ready to not be here anymore like this idea that like the world has outgrown Hmm. my belief systems because we change as a society right you know people who were born in 1940 believe some things probably that are a whole lot different than what i believe or, or what my kids believe for sure And just maybe that's part of the natural process of being ready. Like, I almost feel like if we didn't have this process of kind of becoming ready, that somebody would have figured out how to stop death already. Like, it would have been so important because none of us are ready to go. And we all would have put all this effort into, you know, solving death and we're going to live forever. And it's almost like most of us kind of become ready. So we don't need to figure that out by the time it gets to that point. We don't need to figure out how to stay because we've found a way to become dissatisfied with the world. Hmm. Have you heard of the book A Year to Live? No. Um, It was written by Stephen Levine. Didn't read it, but I heard about it. His son is Noah Levine, who started Refuge Recovery. So Hmm. Stephen Levine was also like a spiritual teacher, kind of Buddhist leanings, and he wrote this book, A Year to Live, and it's basically based on the premise, you're going to operate based on the premise that you're going to die in a year. So everything you want to take care of, do, you know, make settled before your death, you have a year to do it. And then after that year, I guess you live freer or more, you know, unburdened. So I thought that would be an interesting thing to try. I know there's like lead programs out there. This episode has been brought to you in part by Voices of Hope, Inc., a nonprofit recovery organization made up of people in recovery, family members, and allies. Together, members strive to protect the dignity of those that use drugs and those in recovery by advocating for treatment, harm reduction and support resources, and mentoring. Please visit us at www.voicesofhopemaryland.org and consider donating to our calls. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And of course, we always hear about the like the financial aspects of getting ready for death as far as wills and stuff like like I've been thinking about that stuff lately. Like, oh, yeah, I guess we're at a point where it's probably a good idea for us to start figuring some of that out with our kids and who would take care of them if we die. Because early in my life, I'm just like, well, I'm not going to I'm not dying. So that's yeah. fine. So you know, you don't have that together. <laughs> don't have to worry yet. about that. that. That makes me feel better that you don't have yours taken care of. No, that, I, I haven't done did. mine either. <laughs> And have it, you done that grown-up stuff yet? I'm a little younger. So. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's just, yeah. It's well, and it's total irresponsibility because it's like who knows what could happen at any time, and I, hopefully all those things are set up. And oh. I'm just like it's total denial of responsibility. My um, first, my first sponsor, like she, she's about my age, and she was like in her 30s, and she really urged me to get it done then. And it's been yeah. a while, and I still haven't done it yet. Well, and it's uh, hard to tell with me whether I avoid that for the emotional aspects of it because that's an emotional thing that's tough to deal with, or whether it's just irresponsibility. I mean, I think oh, it's, it's work. I think it's more the irresponsibility because so I don't much- like dealing with insurance or any of that stuff that involves legal proceedings. It's way easier to take apart your kitchen than it is to do a will, oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> My wife and I just took a vacation recently without our kids for like five days. It was just a nice long weekend. And the night before we wake up to take the plane flight, she's like sitting at the table writing these little letters out that we have to sign. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Oh, well, my mom just said it'd probably be good if, you know, we wrote these out to let people know that we wanted her to have custody of the kids and, you know, ability to have them see doctors and take care of their school stuff and all that. And I'm like, I'm not okay with signing this. (laughs) Not that I have a problem with your mom doing it, but like this was kind of thrust on me at the last minute. I have never considered that our plane might crash or something. (laughs) Like, that's fucked up. I know you guys should vacation on separate planes so that if one dies, the other one doesn't, you know. (laughs) And we joked about this before we went on our trip. Like my wife said to me, well, at least we're all going together. So if the plane crashes, we all die together. Like She really does put it in your face all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Think that way. Like I'm not thinking that the plane's going to (laughs) crash. We kind of had that talk when we just took our our vacation as a family last summer because we flew to Jamaica and it was like, huh? Nothing to worry about. If we all go, we all go. Yeah. I guess our family plan is don't vacation together and we'll live longer. (laughs) Maybe I'm more in denial than I am comfortable with. (laughs) I'm just in denial. Like, uh, whatever. I have heard, and and this was something from Irv Yalom that he has said in other books, uh, because a lot of his work has been about death anxiety. And his theory is that the cure for death anxiety is a life fully realized, basically. It might not be the exact wording, but if you're living in the way that truly feels like it's what you're supposed to be doing and you do all those things and you're not like living for what society expects of me or what my parents expected of me or any of that, that you won't have the same... I mean, I'm sure there's always some level of anxiety around death, but you won't have the same unmanageability in your life due to it because you're you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like you don't have to worry about what's left undone or what you didn't do. Or, you know, the people who 
get close to death or realize they have a certain amount of time to live and say, oh my God, I, who knew I could choose to be happy and I've been choosing to do all these things that I didn't even really care about and show up at these parties that people invited me to out of some sense of obligation and like, why did I waste so much of my life doing that? Yeah. And I, I think that's where I'm at with it, more of that phase of things. And I actually heard a similar, not well, yeah, I'll say a similar concept. There was a TED talk, and I can't remember who did it about death and like someone who spent a lot of time. I think it was like a hospice nurse, and she was talking about like the top five regrets of people when they were dying, and none of them were like, oh, I wish I had worked more hours at my job, or I wish I had, you know spent more time you know out playing golf it's usually like i wish i had spent more time with people that i loved i wish i had traveled more and like and there's a top five things that people regret and i can't remember them off top of my head but it was like it reminded me of like oh yeah it's about like quality of life am, am i doing things that make me feel like i'm alive you know i'm spending time with people that i love and i'm doing things that i like to do and for me that has a lot to do with like nature and being outside and i like fixing things and building things and doing things and i don't want to waste my time doing a lot of things i don't like doing <laughs> right that's, that's totally my justification for having a messy house it's like <laughs> i don't i don't want to die being like well at least my house was tidy <laughs> <laughs> I well, actually ran into this yesterday. So I was sitting there playing my video game for a few minutes and I was getting close to this, like you had to complete this certain thing to get this reward or whatever. And I was like, oh, I'm only like three games away. And my three-year-old, well, she's two, she's almost three, wanted to go outside. And my wife was like trying to nap on the couch. And I'm like, why won't this bitch get up and take her outside, <laughs> right? Because I didn't want to stop what I was doing. Um and I just wanted somebody else to take care of it. Right. They are. <laughs> um, and, and, but, you know, realistically, like I was trying to step back from it a little bit. I'm like, a lot of my day and week and month is dedicated to other people. And it's like, it's okay for me to spend some time on the video game. I hadn't been on there long. Like, there, trust me, there's been days where I'm like on hour <laughs> six and I'm like, oh, I'm a piece of shit right now. But this was not one of those. <laughs> right. This was like, I'd only been on it for like 30 right. minutes. I'm like, can I get some time to myself? <laughs> right. I'm like, I just sat down here to enjoy this. Right. So I'm getting a little shitty. But at the same time, I'm like facing this kind of death thought in my head. I'm like, what am I going to give a fuck about? Am I going to care that I met this reward? in my video game or am I going to be like, yeah, I went outside and spent some time with my kids. So I did play like one more game and then I was like, all right, I'm turning this off uh, and I'm going outside. And, and that kind of thinking can help me, right? That idea of like, what really matters here? What's going to matter when I'm looking back on it? Who do I want to be? And whether that's at death or whether that's tonight when I lay down, you know, who do I want to be? in this day and it wasn't necessarily easy i wanted what i wanted but i ended up going outside and we weren't out there forever we were out there for like an hour and and then the neighbor kid came over and he kind of drives me crazy so i was like i got out of that somehow but <laughs> um i gotta go play some video games later <laughs> but yeah no that that thought process right that futuristic let me look at myself in the future looking back on what i'm doing now i think yeah. that's useful and i think I mean, whatever, I'm going to go a little religious bashing now, but I think that's what some of like this afterlife belief and all that is like a justification to 
I hate to say this, but like live shitty now because, oh, I'm going to, you know, well, after I die, I'm going to go to heaven and then I'll get to spend all this quality time with my family and friends because that's who's going to be there. And so, you know, now I just need to like live a lower quality of life. You know, it's like people don't follow after their dreams and their hopes and, and those kind of things because they feel like, oh, well, that's not what I'm here for. I'm here to like suffer you know, and, and live by all these rules and do these societal norms and then pleasure and joy comes in the afterlife mm. when I'm dead. Like that's that's my take on it. I'm sure people have better take <laughs> on it than me, but that's always been my take on that. <laughs> I follow like, you. I'm not gonna live my life based on what happens when I die. I mean, if that happens when I die, that's fine too, but I'm gonna live my life now as if what happens after I die is irrelevant. Mm. Can I tell you guys about the Buddhist death yes. practice? Okay. Yes. So we've done this a few times in uh, the Buddhist recovery meeting here. It's um, it's a meditation where you are guided into your own death. So usually you're doing it laying down and you either have a recorded or somebody's speaking it about you dying. So you are laying down like Shavasana yoga style and this person walks you through a visualization of your body decomposing into the ground. I mean, like nitty-gritty details, insects, blood, fluids, you know, rotting, smelly. And then all the way down, it's probably, you know, a good one, I, from my experience, is like almost 30 minutes, but they go longer. And um, all the way to visualizing your body as like dust in the wind. It's, a, it's really cool. Do they have one that's three days long so you can come back to life like Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> I'll check insight timer. <laughs> well, see, and I'm all cool with the, like going back to nature part. I'm thinking the part of like where it's the like day before you get buried in, in the ground and all that. Like you're driving to work one day and all of a sudden you're like <laughs> smashed by a car and like, yeah, you're in the hospital yeah. and you're dying and your loved ones are all there. Like, fuck, that feels heavy. I want to meditate on that. <laughs> Yeah, I guess the Buddhist one is like the ones I've done. You're already you know, dead. You're already you're like laying in a yeah. field. You're like it's the most peaceful way to right. die. You know, um, but the the Buddhists keep in mind that death is part of life, and that your body is just kind of a like a vessel on this earth, and it's not forever. And so, if you always have death in the background, like you would live today in a in a better way. Hmm. I've actually done that meditation. What did you think? It's it's interesting. I think it's part of the things that have, well, before this episode made me think that I was getting better with the idea of mm. death. Uh, I, I got to reevaluate that now. <laughs> Might have to journal on it, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but it's it's fascinating. So I I do feel like this idea of living with the idea that death is coming, right, has helped me a lot. It, it's changed. It's helped me, and I feel like it's it's kind of hindered me in some ways. So we went to Hershey Park last week, and I fucking hated it. It was so crowded, right? It was an hour to do anything. My son and I stood in a line for an hour to get on bumper cars for a minute. It's like, what in the fuck are we doing? I just felt like we were wasting our time. We stood in line for like an hour and 15 minutes to get food. I'm like, this is just... I would die. Yeah, you're there for like eight yeah. hours and you get on like five Six rides, yeah. maybe. And really? I'm like, 
Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. That blows. Yeah. And, and it just, it, that is not appealing to me. And I started brainstorming. So we've been doing this with my mom for years now. Um, and I started brainstorming, like, what could we do next year different where we can actually like be doing something and spending time together instead of just standing? Like, it didn't seem like an amusement park. It felt like a standing park. Yeah. <laughs> so in that sense, it, I feel like it's kind of ruined me. Like I don't have, it's not that I don't have the patience. Like I, I meditate, I can stand here for an hour, but it's just not what I want to do with my life. Not when you pay all that money time. to get in there too. Right. Use your resources differently. But then like yesterday, um, I, I'm, you know, not shaving my head right now. I'm like, oh, I had COVID. I didn't shave my head. I'm going to grow my hair out and see what happens. So I was going to go get a haircut. And so after my son's baseball game, you know, I looked up on the app at Great Clips. I'm like, oh, 20 minutes. It's going to take us at least 10 to get there. Perfect. We'll sit for a few minutes and we get there. And there's like five people in front of us and two people cutting hair. I'm like, we're going to be here for at least 45 minutes before we get mm. our haircut. And we sat there for a minute. And I was like, do you want to be here? And he's like, no. I'm like, yeah, me neither. And we just bounced the fuck out. Bye. And yeah. I was still a little annoyed that I wasted the time stopping by mm. there at all. But like. I don't need to waste my life. I honestly don't give enough of a fuck what my hair looks like to sit in haircuttery or great clips for an hour waiting for a haircut. Like, if yeah. I can't do it quick, I'll go back to shaving it. Like, fuck all that. I don't have, I just don't have the time in my life to be spending doing dumb shit or waiting for services or like, it, they just don't mean that much to me anymore. Yeah. And Wait. I mean, whatever. I not this gets off the death thing, but I look at the Hershey Park thing is like, well, that's an experience. Now, you know, you don't want to do that instead yeah. of your kids and everybody being like, yeah, we want to like that sounds like so much fun. Like, no, it's sounds like fun. Fucking reality is not, right. you know, and that's one of those life norm things that everybody thinks, oh, yeah, we need to go to these amusement parks and spend all this money and do all this sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like it yeah. sucks. You know, use your wisdom to prioritize. Well, and it's already got me dreading. Like we go, we've established somewhere along the way that we take a kid to Disney World when they turn four. Like it's just how it's worked out. So I know next summer, like twenty twenty three, we're going to Disney World. Yeah. And last time we went there, I had that same feeling. Like we waited three hours for one ride. Yeah, I would not. And I'm like, do they have a fast pass system? I'll pay what the fuck ever. I'm. This is not going to be miserable for me. I've heard they changed that and got rid of it, but they used to. They got something else now. Yeah. They're like in the process of installing something. Anyway. And I'll be paying. I don't give a fuck. I will pay whatever because fuck money. I'm not standing all my life. Yeah, it's just I dumb. Agree. But yeah, so I feel like it's this idea of death and wanting to live fully in accordance with what matters to me. Right? I don't have to be okay with standing in this hour or three hour line just because all these other people in society are like i don't i can buck that system i can be me i can do what matters to fucking me i don't have to be there was like five people after us on that haircut list <laughs> right i don't have to be them like right. y'all want to wait for a haircut fucking feel free i'll even make your life easier i'll bounce out this line but i, I just got to do what matters like i don't do our fucking haircuts and appearance matter so much that i want to sit here for an hour not to me yeah but to, to tie this into like some of the recovery stuff for me like it's was really important that i go through and figure out what my morals and values really are so that i can live in accordance with them right you know and figuring out like 
I like nature stuff. I like being outside and hikes and walks in the woods and seeing beautiful nature things. Like when I'm out there and I see those things, it fucking that touches my spirit as much as I'm sure church does for other people. You know, for me, that's where I get that fulfillment and satisfaction and connection to whatever you want to call a higher power. If there is a higher power, like all that shit comes from nature. But I don't know that I recognized that, you know, when I was using or when I was young, it was through this process of recovery and learning about, you know, principles and what principles are important to me, learning that like, yes, my relationship with my family is important, you know, like that, that connection means something to me maybe to some people it doesn't and that's fine too maybe you figure that out and realize my family's full of assholes and pieces of shit and i don't want to be around my family maybe you figure that out but it's through the process of recovery and a fourth step and a fifth step and learn about my defects that i figure out what i really want to do and who i really want to be and that's what you know when i can start to live that way i'm more comfortable with the life that i'm living now it reminds me of signing up to be a soccer coach. I had this idea. Oh, my God. I was going to be such a community uniter. And I was going to like, you know, Pillar of the soccer community. Yeah, soccer's like about running. So we're just going to go out there. I'm going to run with the kids, get my own exercise. I'm going to invite all the parents that want to to run or walk with us so that they can not just stand there and waste their life away. And. It was going to be so uniting. Like, come be, unite with your kids. Let's unite with each other. Let's all be healthy. And yeah, it doesn't look like that at all. What it looks like is my life is way too fucking busy. The kids don't want to run more than like three seconds. They all start walking because they fucking hate it. Uh, I think one of them dropped off our team because we ran the first night for like five <laughs> minutes. It, it, seriously. Like, and, and like, it, how many yeah. parents got involved? None. Because I never even said it because they were all over there with their fucking phones like happy as hell and i'm like fuck man this is dumb and but you know i will coach the soccer team this season and i'll never do it again because i learned it's just not something that i have time or enjoy right now right maybe there's a different age group i would maybe there's a different time in my life when i would it's just not for me but it's that practice of learning what is and isn't and not trying to force it right i don't like right. you said i don't have to force that hershey park is something we have to do every year i don't have to force that i need to be the soccer coach or whatever right like i don't have to do any of these things i can just do whatever i i feel as i evaluate it works for my body and my life and that's what I think this idea of death has done for me is like, I'm not wasting my fucking time on shit I don't like. I right. just don't have time to, man. You talk about the process of dying. You're fucking dying now. Yeah. You're in that yes. process. You are aging and dying, right? It's coming. I don't want nothing to do with wasting it. Yeah. And and there is some uh fear of death that's motivated me in a good way to be healthier like when i was young i've always been thin i've always been able to eat whatever i want doesn't matter i don't seem to put on weight i don't seem to have any issues a couple of years ago doctor said oh you're on the verge of high cholesterol you know you can fucking do something about it now or you can take medication and i was like uh I don't want to start on that path of like medication for my heart and medication <laughs> for my cholesterol and medication for my whatever so i'll exercise you know, and, and diet because I know I'm aging and I can do that. I don't know. Kicking and screaming, which is what I'm going to do. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm going to fight it. I'm going to in a, in a reasonable way. I mean, I still like ice cream and <laughs> still like some good things. <laughs> right. It's interesting. You talk about like in nature. I feel like I have come to that 
conclusion too. And yet I still, and, and I blame the way my life is set up, which there's part of that, right? There's five kids. They are involved in some sports. I don't know the solution for that one at all times, right? I have the argument with my wife that we need to have them in less. And, but I also see the other side of like, well, which one do you tell they can't do something? Mm -hmm. And you know, how do we work that? Um, but I don't make the time that I would like, like I couldn't tell you the last time I took a hike or I, you talk about golfing. I like golfing, not so much yeah, as like a, as a, like, I need to go out and be a good golfer, but I like going out with people I enjoy and just spending time hitting the golf ball around. It's fun to me. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I've done that. Like, I don't feel like I find the time and part of that is my life, but there's also part of it that like, I end up, and this is maybe something I can journal about, uh, I end up feeling like when I finally finish all the scheduled and responsible activities, I'm like, I'm done. I just want to sit the fuck at home and not do it anymore. And I don't know if that's a lingering piece of a depressive nervous system or, or being down, because that's kind of my thoughts about death, too. I'm like, I don't want to die. But fuck it. Once I'm dead, I don't have to deal with this shit anymore. <laughs> right. so much guess, oh, God. This is all. I don't have to fucking go. Coach I have to do soccer. another when you're just rotten in the ground as worm food. You just <laughs> right. lay there. There's no <laughs> Sunday night worried about work Monday morning. <laughs> right. I ain't got none of that shit no more. That's kind of nice. Every night I die in my bed. So relaxing. <laughs> ah. Goodbye, world. It's interesting that, that, you know, some cultures have referred to orgasm as the mini death. Because I always think of sleep as the mini death. But I always found that fascinating. I think that's like an Asian culture thing. I hadn't heard that one. No, no me neither. Oh, God. That's a whole other episode, then. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Like, How do we interact with death and change the way we feel about it or the way our society as a whole talks about it? Like, How do we stop ignoring it? How do we become more... Can looking at the idea that we're going to die and becoming more comfortable with that in and of itself help us live more fully now i think so see i think i think we tend to hide our elderly away you know because they're not attractive they're a burden you know medically and so i think society and maybe i'm just talking about the west but you know we tend to hide our elderly away so we're distancing ourselves from the death and it's like pretending it's not going to happen but if we started being more active with our aging community and that other cultures are different but you know i i find i'm more comfortable with that i make regular visits to my grandmother and that helps me you know she's just like a peaceful old lady you know a lot different than the grandmother i grew up with now she's just like you know she's the one who like you know her, her husband's gone my grandpa's gone she's lost brothers and sisters in fact now i think she's the only sibling left and she's just very at peace and i see her like friends in the re in the community like little retirement home community but spending more time with her has made me more comfortable with death and maybe hanging out with the seniors at the Y who are just kind of chill about their circumstances. I think if society spent more time with old people, we'd be more comfortable with death, you know, and, and we could also gain some of that wisdom that like we're that's trickling into us in our 40s, you know, like hanging out with nature and prioritizing what our core values are. You know, maybe if we we could have gotten that wisdom sooner if we hung out with grandma, possibly. Yeah. I wonder if it's uh, uh, hiding them away. I mean, I think there's a lot of merit to what you're saying, but also maybe our fear of death or fear of loss is also what separates us from people because we don't want to be near somebody that's not going to be there. And then the more we hide them away, the more we fear it. 
So yeah, I think there are more resources out now. Talking about you had talked about this. I think it was a book, mm-hmm. and then I had listened to a podcast. It was similar. It was a guy. He was dying. I think in his case, it was Alzheimer's, and he was dying of Alzheimer's. And he had his son interview him through this months of time as mm-hmm. they did these, and and talking about like death and and when he's gone. And it was for them less of like this really moving and opening experience that they shared with other people. And it just reminded me like, yeah, those are conversations that if we had them, I think it would help us be more appreciative of the time and the relationships that are in our life here and now, because we won't always have those, you know, it's like taking for granted that you think you're going to have someone forever, but I don't know that I'm going to have my kids forever. And I don't know that they're going to have me forever and, you know, or my spouse. And if I just... Not that I have to live in complete fear of that, but if I just keep that sort of in there somewhere, like, hey, maybe there's some things I could be doing today that I want to put off a conversation, a discussion about some emotional issue, something that I might want to say that I haven't taken the moments to say. You know, if I think about it, I might not have this person forever that can motivate me to, to do some of that stuff. And it's interesting, uh, the, the age group, like I, I kind of expect older adults to pass away like i'm more prepared for that but like last summer i lost a guy that was i I think my age 42 43 to a heart attack unexpectedly and like we had had dinner the week before that and i do feel like i would have done something different i don't know what i don't know if i would have said something different if i just would have expressed to him that i loved him more if i'd have known right Mm. And, and then you know just recently about a month ago um, a guy who I've, I've known for 10 or 12 years and we, you know, not super close, but pretty close. And he was always a good guy. We played some volleyball together outdoors, uh, for a couple of seasons a while back. And, uh, in fact, you met him. We went down for that Sunday morning. His name was Kevin. I don't know if you remember or not, but he, maybe it was a Saturday morning, but, um, he was in a car accident and I was like, oh man, that's crazy. He's on like, he's in critical condition. He's stable, whatever. But then a few days later, see it on Facebook, like, well, they're going to pull the plug because they don't think he's going to get any better. And it's like, damn, what did I say to him the last time we interacted? And did I express, you know, that I cared about him? And I think thinking about death more has can help me to adjust the way I, I leave people's presence, right? We don't know. Like, this wasn't an older guy either. This wasn't somebody I was prepared to lose. Um you know, talking about, you, you said the thing about the guy interviewing his father or whatever. My father had written, he had one of those books, like Tell Your Life Story or whatever books, and he wrote in it, and so I still have that. And my mom did one of those for my daughter at one point, and somebody had just got me one of those um, as a gift. And so I haven't started filling it out yet, more journaling. Um, but I'm interested in it because I think that's neat. And I actually... Hmm. I actually, every so often when I think about it, it's every few months or so, I, I do a little like three minute video uh, on my phone that, you know, uploads to Google Cloud or whatever the hell it does. Uh, and I just talk about like what's going on in our lives and how much I care about my kids and like have a little sort of personalized message for each one of them. And I've always thought, man, maybe after I die, you know, hopefully my wife will still be here and go through and like get rid of all the dick pics and stuff. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> first, but you know, they can just go through and see this timeline of like me leaving them messages and stuff. And uh, I don't know. I thought it'd be kind of a neat. I don't even know where the idea came from it's at cool one project. point. Mm, yeah. I've seen some stuff like that online. It's like, ah, oh, I wish I did something like that. Have you like Hallmark movies off stuff like that? <laughs> you know, I just, some kind of legacy. You know, I don't want them to feel like the last time we talk is the last thing I said to them. Because there is more, right? There's this hidden stuff that I tucked away. It's like an Easter egg treat. You know, you can find these little messages that I, I still have to say from beyond my passing. Yeah. Or like even with friends, like, is it worth having an argument over your fucking football team or baseball team or the fucking draft pick? Or like, is that really something that's worth having an argument about if you're not going to talk to that person? <laughs> I don't <laughs> you know. know. Did your team just trade away Marquise Brown? Like, <laughs> right. uh, it might be worth arguing. No, I'm just I don't give a fuck if they trade him. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. we can get into these weird, you know, dumb sort of arguments in this fact of like we need to be right or we need to be justified in some yeah. belief or behavior where it's like yeah you know you chose somebody's party over my party and my feelings are hurt now right. we'll never or talk you again invite me to your house when you know it's yeah. Like, well, yeah yeah regular contemplation of death would definitely change that action right how important certain interactions are or what kind of quality of interactions i want to have so what do you take away from our death episode? I want to continue my relationship with, you know, grandma and the old people. I just feel like, you know, I want to, you know, just keep them in my life as much as the young people are. Hmm. I think I think it's just a good practice to, to include them in my life. My my, one of my neighbors passed away. She was dying from cancer. I didn't know her that well. But um, somebody told me she really liked chocolate milkshakes. Um, and since she was dying, it was like her diet was out the window, you know, like it was like, so I was like, I'm getting her one. So I ran out to McDonald's and I got her a chocolate milkshake and I was like, Hey Lynn, she's like, Oh, hey. And it was just, it was so weird to be with someone who was like on the verge of death. I'm like, I heard you like chocolate milkshakes. And it was like, I was, I was very present, I think because of my Buddhist practice, I was very present and calm, but it makes me sad kind of afterwards. Cause what, you know, saying goodbye to her, thinking about, well, see ya. You know, like, take care, Lynn. Like, you know, I wasn't going to see her anymore, you know? Right. So I, I do want to keep it close. I want to keep death close. That's what I'm taking away from this episode. I want to mm-hmm. keep take keep, keep death close the way I have and maybe even more so. I want to, I think I want to, like, not exclusively, but I would really interested in working with people who are nearing death in, in my work, honestly. I, I just, I'm fascinated by it and I... I think it's challenging, but I, I am interested in pursuing. I just think I know it's, I mean, I personally believe like it's okay to be sad around death. That doesn't mean you're not okay with it. If someone passes, like it's fucking sad. Like you had mentioned, I mean, that's a part of a relationship in my life that I'm not going to have, you know, some are closer than others. Some mean more than others, you know, that relationship and time and what my mom brought into my life, you know, I'll never be able to get that back. For me personally, like just recognizing like it's okay to be sad about that. But then on top of that, I can be grateful for the opportunities and the things that I have in my life now and try to not leave things unsaid or undone or, you know, hanging out there in the in the wind. All right. So if this didn't depress you, I don't know what will. Uh, <laughs> I didn't cry. Yeah. <laughs> go out there and get comfy or at least more familiar with death. Uh, 
yours and and others and maybe even just take some time to ponder like what would my life look like differently now if i more realistically knew that you know death is coming because it is all right go out there and live (laughs) have a good week did you like this episode share it with people you think might get something out of it check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com also while you're there you can find ways to link up with us on facebook twitter instagram reddit youtube anything we're always looking for new ideas got an idea you want us to look into reach out to us <laughs>